to First Time Board. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer in that I had never seen Doctor Who until I started the podcast, and I now watch every week in anticipation for another great Doctor Who story that continues to just hook me and keep me so excited for this amazing universe of stories. And this week, we are talking about one of the specials, the specifically the 2008 Christmas special, The Next Doctor, which if you're in the U.S., it gets lumped into series four and it's technically episode 14. But yes, the Christmas special, 2008, The Next Doctor. And if we're going to talk about doctors and we're going to have uh, a connection to the old doctors, I need somebody with a lot of knowledge, and that's we've determined that when we're talking old, we're talking John Sobel. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, uh, glad to be here again. Christmas is my favorite type of Doctor special, so I like to do these with you. It is. It is almost a requirement at this point. Um, right. We we have to. The 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 fans clamor for it. Yes, but before we talk about... There is a little bit of news that came out uh, earlier this week, or maybe yes. last week. Um, late, yeah, middle of last week came out that, that we, well, as we knew, as the current um, run of Doctor Who is happening, where we have um, Chris Chinball as the uh, showrunner, and... Uh, Jody is the doctor and they're both leaving the show at the end of this year uh, or at the end of the next uh, show that they show. You know, I'm not exactly, I don't even recall the when series, they actually are yes. showing it when they show the next series um, that they did not have a showrunner and they never introduce a doctor until they introduce a showrunner. And as we are ending with the wonderful uh, Russell T. Davies, as we're watching currently, he has agreed to come back and, and we'll, start running the show and will be uh, running the show uh, and introducing his own version of the Doctor and be um, involved for the 60th anniversary. And what will show. be the 13th series, if I'm right. not mistaken. I believe, uh, no, it'll be the 14th. The, the 13th, 14th is, is yes. what's coming up. Um, but yes. The, the third, yeah, the 13th is coming up. Almost everybody that I know reached out to me and said, did <laughs> you see the news? And I did. And I squealed in joy because I mentioned last week uh, in my conversation with Ashley that I, I was getting a little sad because I was coming to the end of, uh, you know, yes, the end of Tenant, but also the end of Russell T. Davies. And now I have something to very much look forward to because chances are by the time I catch up, uh, those those series is maybe actually, uh, actually airing. So yeah, I might actually so. watch day and date the new Russell T. Davies. So super excited about that. Yes. And we're coming up, obviously, on the Stephen Moffat era uh, as we're uh, doing the oh, uh, Moffat. watch. <laughs> and 
there's, you know, and, and I really enjoy this. This is, this is where I, you know, where they start, you know, he has a very similar style to, uh, to Russell. Yeah. uh, Moffat's episodes have definitely, uh, played with my emotions and my brain. And I am both looking forward to, uh, but also a little scared and intimidated of an entire, you know, (laughs) storyline story arc written by. Oh yes. It's really, it gets really interesting. And just to go even further back to one of the times you and I talked, the episode 42 was mm-hmm. Chris Chibnall's, who is the current showrunner, was his first script he wrote for Doctor Who. Oh. So let's keep everything in circle going here. <laughs> coming coming back to, to storylines that you and I talk about. It's it it's all cyclical, you know, the timey, wimely uh, yes. nature of uh, time and space definitely comes back in this one. Uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey wibbly stuff. wobbly timey wimey um so i love you know it, it starts in that very quintessential christmas you know episode way where you know it's definitely setting the time it is you know everything's decorated there's snow there's people preparing for christmas eve and uh I used to dread this moment in movies uh, because it, it always felt a little hacky. Um, but when this particular moment came up in the episode, I I did squeal a little bit with glee. And th- this is this is the moment I'm referring to. I'm the doctor. Doctor O. Just the doctor. They said the name of the show. They said yes. it. <laughs> You know, in, in movies, whenever it happens, you're like, ah, oh, come on. Like, no. But, you know, the, the, the name of the show lends itself to that so much, especially when the character does is not named Doctor Who. Right. Uh, which was like one of the first things that I learned when I started doing this podcast. I, I just assumed the character was always named Doctor Who and people were just shortening it to the Doctor. So, you know, it... I I enjoyed that moment. It made me laugh. I don't know how other fans feel, but I appreciated that. And I, I'm glad that it starts in that laugh because uh, we've had some serious episodes and some very emotional episodes. And I wasn't prepared for, you know, the, the last Christmas episode that you and I talked about uh, featured the Titanic and the doctor got really emotional and... Like that, that episode got heavy very quickly and I was yes. not ready for another one of those. And <laughs> this was not it. This was not it at all. This was actually a lot of fun. There there were some serious moments, but in all, this episode was just a lot, a, a lot of the thing that really drew me to the show in the first place, which was the, the whimsy and the fun and the, you know, all the sciencey jargon that gets delved out throughout right and it's just it's that's why this episode you know it's nice because um you had a heavy uh end of the season uh the last three episodes uh turn left and then the two mm-hmm. the two part finale uh really it's really heavy and really involved with uh, a lot of uh, serious emotions 
there's not a lot of laughs in, in those episodes. And so this is a good way to have fun. It's also, I love the fact that it's the first time since we've started doing Christmas episodes that we're not in uh, present day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the whole uh, making fun of uh, uh, Scrooge yeah. trying to figure out what happened after after the ghosts were done with them what time is it what year is this what day is it <laughs> dear boy yeah, tell me what yes. time, what year is it what day is this and what then he goes uh, that, that's a pretty yeah normal year <laughs> pretty yeah. dull he says <laughs> <laughs> exactly um but yes uh, as the synopsis says christmas 1851 and cybermen stalk victorian london the 10th doctor discovers a spate of mysterious deaths, and he's surprised to meet another doctor. Are two doctors enough to stop the rise of the Cyber King? Mm. And I love that because this is nah, pretty much the first time that we've, ta- we've I think we've talked about Cyber Kings in the, in the old. I've never remembered seeing a Cyber King mm. in this way. Uh, we may have, it's, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen the old episodes. We may have seen a cyber king, a cyber king before. back in the, back in the day, but it was never a, you know, uh, a, uh, iron giant, uh, <laughs> humongous thing. It would be like, uh, like a leader of the Daleks it would be the same size. It was just the leader of the Daleks, you know, it's. Yeah, it was not, uh, it was like ready to fight a kaiju inside of that thing. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for uh, you know the uh, uh, the uh, Power Rangers to come together and, and <laughs> right. get ready They're into to, their Megazord and uh, yes, and, and defeat the uh, and defeat this uh, giant robot here. But yes, uh, what, what I found so, so interesting very fun to see about that, and we we were introduced to it almost right away when uh, well, first we're introduced to that second Doctor. Uh, which also elicited a response from me, but uh, not not one nearly as joyful as the first. Uh, in that, this is the guy that played the the governor in uh, <laughs> The Walking Dead. I don't I don't have fond memories of this guy in other movies <laughs> or TV first, shows. <laughs> the first time I saw The Walking Dead, it was one of those. Why do I know him? Why do I know him? Why do I know him? <laughs> <laughs> Before yeah. you realize, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. he was the doctor. Yeah, I, see, right. I kind of wish I had that uh, the other way around because was like he he was such a good bad guy in The Walking Dead that the moment he came on, I was like, I don't trust you. I don't. I don't. <laughs> like I, I get what you're trying to do, and this is fun, and I'm intrigued because I want to find out more. Mm-hmm. But I don't trust you. I don't trust you at all. Right. Uh, and, and part of the the rumors going around back in the day was they were trying to get a bunch of different actors. Uh, they were, you know, I think they threw a lot of red herrings out into the public because the internet was really uh, in, in, in its in its infancy in in two thousand and eight. You didn't have a lot of uh, things going on, so they were kept putting out that this actor was being looked at for the next doctor, and this actor is being and David Morrissey was looked at, mm-hmm. and it was leaked to the press that he was being looked at uh to be to play the next doctor so and, and he did play the next doctor uh, yes, it well. was just a one-off and uh and he was glorious i mean he was so much fun that 
the entire episode, once I got over the fact that, you know, he's not the governor and he's not going to uh, reveal that he's got, you know, his his offspring is a zombie kept in a cage inside his house. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised by his his way of approaching the issue. Uh, he was clearly trying to arc back to uh, a, a different era of doctor. Um, but I love that even in the what were those cylinders uh, that info just, stamps the info stamps in one of the info stamps we actually see like previous Doctor Who actors. Uh, I, I was trying to use the proper terminology because sometimes it evades me. Uh, not uh, incarnations, uh, regenerations. regenerations. So yes. you know the the fact that we saw like the original. Doctor Who and the other, you know, several other regenerations, including Eccleston and uh, Tennant himself, uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, and for a, a split second, I did think, oh, maybe he is the next Doctor, forgetting that I have the advantage of hindsight here and knowing right. that he won't be the next Doctor. Uh, but, you know, for a few minutes, I was, uh, I was actually, you know, wrapped up in the whole thing. And I thought, ooh, this could be... Uh, and the, the, the idea that, you know, the doctor accidentally stumbled upon himself in a, in a timeline uh, was kind of an interesting uh, concept. Right. And they played a lot. They played around with it a lot in the old series uh, where uh, they would team up. Uh, two or three doctors would team up. There was uh, um, the three doctors. Uh, special. There was a four doctors. There was a five doctors. Wow. Um, uh, but by then, you know, you know, there was, you know, different actors, obviously, you know, David Bradley picked up, um, for, uh, for the original doctor, mm. his name is escaping me right this second, but it'll be to me in a minute that, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> that, you know, he could only do so much and David Bradley's done his own, uh, stuff and all, you know, he's, he's very well known in, in, London and, and other things. He's all, he's also a, a Harry Potter uh, alum as David Tennant is as well. All right. Um, so, yeah, so there's, uh, so yeah, they've had, uh, there, there was definitely having multiple doctor episodes is something that has, is not a surprise. Mm. So, you know, again, there was a whole question of, okay, we, you know, especially when you're looking at it, knowing that we have Matt Smith coming up, but he still could do it. Mm -hmm. They could still pick him up. He's still a great actor. Mm. You know, he could be Russell T Davies next pick. Ooh. Uh, so we just don't know, but yes, he, but he's in, he's now in the storyline. There's not really, it's so hard to say. You can't really say Canon because the way that the wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff works Mm -hmm. There is no true canon because he re it really gets rewritten anyway. <laughs> but there are, you know, one of the things, and we talked about it many a time in the podcast, but the, the causality of things uh, does move throughout and permeates throughout the episodes. So, yes, things can happen, but they have, they, they take a toll on the characters and there is a, uh, a price to be paid across the the continuum of the storyline, uh, which 
there's a little bit of that, and and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, going back to some of my favorite moments, like I said, uh, the the reason and sort of the expectation that I had when I started watching Doctor Who was that it was going to be you know this very hacky, very like cheap uh, sci-fi show, and of course you know it's turned out to be significantly more. But there was a moment in this episode that definitely arced back to that when the the new doctor or I guess the Victorian doctor uh, takes the real doctor to his TARDIS and they have this exchange. There she is. I transport through time and space. The TARDIS. You've got a blue. TARDIS, T-A-R-D-I-S. It stands for Tethered Aerial Release Developed in Style. <laughs> Do you see? <laughs> I love the fact that for him, TARDIS was something completely different. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Even though he addressed it as the proper acronym. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, but, you know, for him, it was a balloon, uh, which was one of the things that I enjoyed about this episode is throughout it, there were all these themes that were very uh, recognizable to me. And of course that moment, uh, very reminiscent of the wizard of Oz and, you know, the wizard traveled to Oz in a balloon, you know, taken by, you know, so uh, there were moments like that, uh, or, you know, the, the, the moment where we see all the children being taken in, uh, to be used as slave labor, you know, it was very reminiscent of Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. Right. Uh, you know, there, there were a lot of sort of motifs and, uh, uh, and themes that were very familiar to me from other pop culture. And as always, you know, there's that comfort that goes, ah, okay, this is something I know. This is something I understand. And it, it made the episode that much more entertaining for me. Yes, it's so much. Yeah, it's it's you know a good, a good, a really good story will borrow aspects of other stories and imp- not improve on them, but not make them a joke. Yeah, uh, and that's it. Definitely did not you. You know, with the with the with the kids, it made sense what the kids were doing. It made sense about the balloon because it is eighteen was eighteen fifty one. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of you know storyline in here that. You can you can definitely have the feels uh, of other stories without it, you know, being that in your face. We're stealing from this, and and it didn't even feel like stealing so much as it it, it felt very much like affectionately borrowing uh, themes and elements from other things to help tell this narrative. Which you know, like we said, it was kind of a very interesting narrative. To have this very strong-willed woman uh, in that time, uh, you know, I and I wish the only thing we didn't really get in this episode is really enough time with her because she seems like a very interesting character. Like for a second, I thought that she was somehow um, channeling like parts of the master, like she, you know, she had some sort of familiar relation to the master because she definitely had sort of a an air of i'm going to be significantly more menacing than these men give me credit for and sure enough she turned into that absolutely her name was mercy hardigan 
and in the Doctor Who commentaries, Russell, Russell Davies described her as a victim of abuse, but didn't say exactly what her social standing was. Otherwise, other other than uh, noting the importance of her scarlet dress. And then the quote, I'm taking quite, I'm talking uh, quite discreetly around this because there are children listening and watching and there's only so far I should go. (laughs) He also added that she was a powerless woman who's been in servitude or far worse all her life. And in order to transcend, transcend her past, she effectively becomes a man becoming the cyber king that she has to go through the extraordinary path process because she is so damaged so that was a very interesting quote uh, about about who she is and you can you can definitely i mean she has just a few scenes but in those scenes she definitely carries a lot of weight and her backstory is clearly weighing on her uh, in a way that it was it was palpable in her scene which is why i said you know the it almost had an air of the, the the master. Like for a second, I thought we were going to find out that she was somehow also a time lord, uh, and that yeah, well, she definitely had that feel. Right, right. You know, uh, not knowing what was going on and and the story not completely unfolding in front of me uh, at that point, uh, I thought you know if if there's another time lord that the doctor is working with. Maybe somehow, you know, there is another master out there and that's, you know, the master to that time Lord as the hit, you know, that our doctor's master was. So it, I, I enjoyed her very much. Uh, and, uh, I felt like, uh, she got a little short changed. Like I wish there was a, there had been a little bit more about her, um, because she was really interesting. And that's the, the mark as, as I keep watching different shows, especially with characters that you're not supposed to like. Yeah. And the more that you hate them, you realize, well, I really hate that character, which means that's really good acting. Right. Right. <laughs> she, she really, you know, she was, she was great. Um, yes. Which, uh, you know, there was a moment uh, as, as fun and frothy as this episode was, there was a moment uh, where, and we've talked about this before in a previous uh, Christmas special, uh, the, the the Runaway Bride, when we see the Doctor's dark side, and you know it's thanks to Donna that he snaps out of that. Uh, and here we ha- we see an exchange uh, where it could be leading to that darker version of the Doctor. And let, let's listen to that exchange. What do you make of me, sir? An idiot? No. Question is, what do you make of me? Destroy him! You made me into this. You made me into this, he says. And then he unleashes this beam. And I thought, well, here we go. There's the, the doctor again going down that path and like always i i make an assumption and russell t davies goes uh 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 <laughs> and there she is she's still there and she even you know taunts him about it she's like ah you're witnessing your failure and he's like nope 
I did exactly what I wanted to, which is you're by yourself. You're not connected right. to the Cybermen anymore. Um, and I thought that was such a refreshing take. Uh, and again, displaying the growth that the doctor has gone through where, you know, just two Christmas specials ago, he was ready to murder an entire species and himself in the process. Uh, right. And now, you know, he's like, I, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to show you. And basically, you know, she's going to destroy herself. Yes. And, you know, that's a lot of, um, a lot of villains, uh, fall that fate. Mm -hmm. Uh, not literally fall, but she's, she obviously not literally <laughs> fell, but, um, but, you know, but there's a lot of villains that, you know, are too overconfident. Um, the, the old, the old joke of, uh, of, uh, Indiana Jones, going back to Indiana Jones, the first movie Raiders of the Lost Ark is that, uh, Indy truly doesn't have to be in the, in the movie just to, <laughs> yeah. for everything to happen the way it did. Um, so it was, um, you know, the, the villains tend to be overconfident in what they're doing and, uh, fall the fates that villains do. And uh, the, the old adage of give them, give them enough rope and they'll hang themselves. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that's exactly like, I, I just, I liked seeing that aspect of the doctor and sort of playing with that similitude of, you know, this is, this is a, a place that we've seen this doctor be at before. And the last time he was companionless, he was that version. And here we are witnessing or about to witness that. And instead we see, no, he is definitely the kinder, gentler doctor and he has learned from his past. And it was great to see, like I, we mentioned a little earlier, the, the causality of things does have repercussions across the storyline, not just for one episode or for one specific story arc, but for the entirety of it. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, you have to, I mean, it's, the the point of obviously you know Doctor Who is a show for all ages, but you can't um, you can't uh, reset everything back to the beginning every after every episode because mm -hmm. you don't get growth. You, you need to, if you don't have character growth, you're not going to care, right? You know, it's not a cartoon where you just expect people to be what they are. Yeah, the, well, that's one of the one of the jokes of of uh, SpongeBob is that at the end of every episode, no matter how crazy it gets, at the end of every episode, everything is back to normal. Right. And then you start over again. There is no growth because everything starts brand new, the exact same way. And that's you know, that was TV for a lot of years. You know, even right. uh, episodic television in the eighties, they would occasionally have certain story arcs that had ramifications but inevitably everything went back to yep everything is fine everything is safe you know the the a team always got away <laughs> and they <laughs> always started in another town doing the a similar thing just in a different place you know michael knight always ended up in kit uh and right. he always ended up riding off away, into the right. sunset you know uh -huh. um and and the, seemingly there was never any change to those characters. Those characters pretty much stayed the same. Uh, so I appreciate seeing a show that uh, takes the the freedom and the 
the gumption, you know, to actually put its main character through some stuff and then have those scars live with the character, uh, which leads me to one of the final moments in the episode, uh, but a very poignant uh, bit of dialogue that I'm going to let you listen to. All those facts and figures I saw of the Doctor's life, you were never alone. All those bright and shining companions, but not anymore. No. Might I ask why not? They leave? Because they should, or they find someone else. And some of them, some of them... forget me. I suppose in the end... They break my heart. They break my heart. And when he said that, a little bit of mine ached for him. Because we know who he's talking about. You know, the they forget me. He's talking about Donna. They leave. He's talking about uh, Martha. They break my heart. He's talking about Rose. Right. You know. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's the, again, the, uh, you, you, for at least for Martha, uh, who is the only one who is able to remember mm-hmm. uh, of of the companions? I mean, obviously Rose remembers, but she has her own uh, <laughs> yeah. now, so she doesn't have to worry about that. But and Dono has had to forget, um, and that that was that was one of the most heartbreaking for a character that is so fun and so bubbly and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in your face, right along with the doctor, for that, for that, for that to be her end, it was that was such a heartbreak last episode, um, and and that yeah. and that hurt that hurt my heart more than anything else. And again, I said that in the very beginning when I first saw her, I hated her, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, when she was a full time companion, it was such a she was a different person, and even especially when you know with our first episode of the season with with Planet of the Ood, um, it was, she was just a completely different person than she was from the, from the, uh, from the Christmas episode, yeah, from the runaway bride, in, from the runaway bride, the, and I mentioned this in last week's episode, but one of the things that made that moment such a heartbreak is that her entire character growth is reversed. You know, she did become a better person. Uh, her her grandfather said that out loud. She was better because of you. And because she had her mind wiped, she went back to being that loud, abrasive, obnoxious Donna. But we all know that there's there's the capacity for her to be better than that person. But that I, that's, I think, the part that hurt me the most is that the way we leave her is the same way we first found her when she's not at her most likable. And that, right. you know, that that's such a heartbreak that, you know, like all of the good things that came out of the travel, she does not get to benefit from. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I completely side with the uh, with the heartache. But uh, let's uh, let's bring the mood back up. And uh, is there anything in this episode that I miss? Any little uh, 
things that uh, I mean, it, it's it felt very much like it was a standalone. So there's probably not a yeah. lot of yeah. There was nothing that helped you to know any more of the the overarching story because the overarching story basically has ended. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's nothing more of that. Uh, you have uh, a bunch of notes. Let's let's um, have Ashley tell us her TARDIS oh, tidbits first, great. so then I don't step on her toes. And <laughs> so here we go. Let's uh, listen to the Ashley's TARDIS tidbits. Take it away, Ashley. This is Ashley's TARDIS tidbits for the 2008 Christmas special, The Next Doctor. This episode really toyed with the fans' emotions as David Tenner's successor to play the Doctor had not been announced at the time of this airing. David Morrissey apparently had been in talks to play the 11th Doctor. And actually, he was only cast five days before filming started for this episode. He said he based his character on the first, second, and fourth Doctors because he believed that there was a, quote, truth to their performances because they never saw Doctor Who as a genre show or a children's show. The original plan for this episode was supposed to be an adventure where J.K. Rowling would appear as herself in a world driven by her own imagination. David Tennant did not like this idea because he felt it would veer too close to self-parody, especially since he himself had been in the fourth Harry Potter movie. As I mentioned last week, Journey's End was supposed to have ended with a Cyberman cliffhanger, where they appear in the TARDIS and the Doctor says, What? What? That idea was indeed scrapped, as we know. If they had kept it, we would have seen the two Cybermen at the beginning of this episode vanish from the TARDIS, and the Doctor realized they were falling through the time vortex, and he would then follow them to Victorian England, where our story begins. This is the first episode to be broadcast after David Tennant's announcement that he would leave the role of the Doctor in 2010. It was also the final episode to be filmed in standard definition, Beginning with the next episode, Doctor Who moves to high definition. If you look closely, you'll notice that the Cyber Factory set is actually the Torchwood Hub from Torchwood. Russell T. Davies says that he attempted to make Jackson Lake's companion Rosita a combination of Rose and Martha, so that she would already feel like a companion to us before she had even done anything. After the episode aired, Russell T. Davies came up with an alternate ending that he said he wished he had done. When Miss Hardigan is screaming and the Cybermen are destroyed, he felt that she should have survived, and that way she could redeem herself. Producer Julie Gardner felt that this would have been a marvelous ending, and Davies said that he can't bear that there's actually a better ending than the one they transmitted. Ah, the curse of a writer... Uh, always <laughs> wanting to edit even after the thing is out. But thank you so much, Ashley. That was fantastic. Some really good info there. Um, in, in lieu of the, the the comment about the the set, I I notice uh, when when the two doctors first meet and they're huddled around that the, the that little campfire thing. And there's the stairs behind them. Uh, I swear that looked like the the same set that they used for the Shakespearean uh, episode, uh, the Shakespeare Code. Uh, oh, looks, I'm sure it was. It, it looks so familiar. It was like, I bet that's got to be the same set. 
Um, yes. But so what what else do you have to fill out okay. uh, the wonderful well, you know, tidbits? Little things. So again, going back to Rosita, which we were just talking about a moment ago, which is uh, the doctor's, uh, the, the next doctor's companion. Uh, Rosita is uh, Spanish for Little Rose which I love that because mm-hmm. obviously you have Rosita in there, uh, who is, uh, Oh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this thing. <laughs> uh, we'll put it in the show notes. If anyone wants to look at that, cause that's not going to happen. Um, uh, the, uh, Miss Hardigan, when she became, um, transformed, she had special black contact lenses so that her eyes would be completely covered, but she could still see. Mm-hmm. But it didn't completely cover her eyes, so the special effects team had to electronically paint out any glimpses of white eyeballs. Oh, jeez! Shot for shot for shot. <laughs> so that uh, adds a little bit of uh, of uh, oh my gosh, it's kind of crazy. Um, first Christmas special to be in the past, which we did talk about, but mm-hmm. actually the Unquiet Dead. Um, where we first, uh, we had, um, Charles Dickens, Charles Dickens was a, was a Christmas time episode, even though it wasn't a, it Christmas, wasn't a Christmas special. Yes. We, we've right, been but it, to but it was that a Christmas, past, but not. Right. So we've been right. So that was, uh, fun. Um, other than that, you know, there's a lot of little things in there. Um, the flashing of all the different doctors, uh, again, for an old guy, for an old mm. fan, uh, it's fun to see. Um, new fans will point out that there was some incongruities of pictures, but that's for another time. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling that one has a spoilers all over it. Yes, all over that. <laughs> I had to, I had to find one. Um, it's hard when you have a true standalone episode and by taking, like Ashley said, by taking out the Cybermen from the, uh, do, to do the cliffhanger after mm. the, after the finale, it's a true standalone because you have nothing before you, nothing leading into it, right. nothing going out of it. It is truly, um, true, a, a true standalone. Um, David Morrissey, uh, like we said, he was, uh, being looked at to be, uh, the next doctor and it could definitely uh, <laughs> it could um, still transpire happen yes um, Russell T Davies originally had a had a couple of uh, of uh, titles for this it was originally the two doctors uh, but they a sixth doctor adventure uh, where he ran into his second incarnation was named that so he couldn't use that then he was court to the cyber king mm. and then he finally landed on the next doctor um, and then, uh, since the episode aired, Russell T. Davies said he'd love to write a Doctor Who novel which takes place in the brief moments between Jackson Lake entering and leaving the TARDIS. Mm. Meaning that when he actually walked into the real TARDIS and seeing the bigger on the inside, mm-hmm. they, you know, he would love to have said that they could have... Uh, that the doctor could have run in and said, let's take a real adventure and and write a story about that and then take him out at the exact same spot Uh and go to dinner. Um, I did like the fact that um, the doctor actually went to dinner. Yeah. It showed a lot of growth uh, in that character. He finally said yes. Yes. 
And uh, that Jackson Lake is at least the third person to know all of the doctor's faces, mm. other faces. Uh, one of them we've met and one we haven't. The mm. one we've met is River Song. Mm. Um, the other one we have not yet met. Oh, interesting. So we will keep that. We will keep that. that that's uh, part that's of the... That's not a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a spoiler. That's just somebody that we will meet later on. Well, that's, um, that's what yes. River kept saying, you know, the future or the past, it's part right. of the... Spoilers. So... <laughs> exactly. And some of that is the... the uh, uh, not that I've had a chance to talk about River Song before, but that's the heartache of uh, somebody, you know, two two people going in opposite timelines mm-hmm. um, to, to uh, uh, realize that, you know, when one journey's end, the other one begins and... Uh, that's it's a it's a it's a such a heartache story that you start Moffitt. right away and it's yes <laughs> moffat i'm telling you he ripped my heart and mind out with that one yes but i do but yes i do love her and i've loved her forever I mean, you know alex kingston has been a, a favorite of mine um before before this she was on er mm-hmm. uh so i loved her then and uh not yet met her that's still a hope yeah. we're still we're still working on that when conventions do happen again i know some are happening but when right, when, right. True, when real conventions are happening again and when you don't have that chicago, plexiglass in between you yeah and when they when they come to chicago then we'll have fun with that there you go well i did have one question and that okay, is we're question. we're introduced to the cybermen again which we've seen before but we're also introduced to like the cyber dogs were they cyber ape? oh yeah there was the <laughs> cyber shade sorry cyber shade okay yes and that's um uh, don't get used to that okay that was that <laughs> was like a this only happens in the past kind of thing kind of yes i don't ever remember seeing them before or since oh well, maybe they were uh, affected by falling through the void. Uh, maybe yes. that was the storyline there. But yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting, you know. The, and there's that whole chase scene with the with the rope. Oh, that was yeah. That that was the um, where you have to, you know, it's it's a tradi- traditional. Let's go all the way back to Rose, where you know mm-hmm. she's the one who causes uh, the the. Uh, Auton to, to go into the into the lava uh, right. to melt away, and you know, it's a you know, it's a companion that saves the day. And this is Rosita cutting the rope so that they don't fall <laughs> to their deaths. And then they just get up and start laughing like like uh, lunatics. Like this was a great adventure. <laughs> she's like, "Are you guys crazy? You could have killed each other." Like yes, yes, um, we could have. Yes, and that was the point. But uh, so yes. So, so great to have you join me for another, uh, it seems like the Christmas specials don't necessarily always have to have huge revelatory uh, involvements with the, the rest of the story, uh, but there's always something, you know. The, there's always, yeah, it's always fun. There's always a part of that, of these Christmas specials that you go, oh, wow, that, okay, I and this one had, was not no different, you know the the idea that uh, you know the doctor has changed and that he you know 
is a little gentler and and that he is definitely still hurting from the the events of the you know the previous episodes and and that you know it breaks his heart gosh you know and that he goes to dinner i love that it ends with him going to dinner uh, absolutely so he finally gets that christmas goose Right. And then we go to, you know, then we'll go into a couple of specials and then we'll be right back with uh, the next year's uh, Christmas special. Anyway, yep. We have, we have a big Christmas special coming up, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but thanks as always for joining me and uh, bringing in your wealth of knowledge and your copious amounts of notes uh, to enrich the episode even more. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you for having me yet again. And we will do this again in a couple of weeks. I am very much excited for that. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for once again joining us for a first time, Lord. As always, if you would like to uh, participate in the show, uh, you don't have to be just a silent listener. You can participate by commenting on this episode or any previous episode by going to firsttimelord.com you can find like I said all of the episodes posted online there Uh, while you're there you can visit the merch store and support the show that way we've got some cool stuff there Uh, or if uh, merch is not your thing you can click on the Oh, gosh. Uh, (laughs) It just completely blanked on it. You can click on the Patreon link that will take you to my Patreon page. Or you can search for Daniel Levain on Patreon and uh, become a supporter of the show that way. Or the most important, and I think the most fun way that you can support the show is share it with somebody else. I'm sure there is somebody else in your life who would be into Doctor Who if only they were cajoled into it like I was. Uh, because I, I've got to tell you, I don't know that I would have done this had it not been for my friends who kept constantly asking me. And at the end of the day, I'm glad I did because I get to have awesome conversations with some amazingly knowledgeable people. And uh, the conversations that I've been having with you, dear listener, as you comment on the episodes, has been fantastic. So share the episode, uh, go to iTunes and leave a positive uh, comment there. That way the algorithms can pick it up. But I'm out of time this week. I'm going to jump into the TARDIS and uh, head on into another sort of adventure. See you all next week, everybody. 